Alright, Kickspotters, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. And uh, as you are, did you lose your voice? Sorry, I know. He lost his voice. <laughs> yeah, he uh, Migs uh, lost his gosh. voice because he was actually officially supposed to get married. Yes. Um, and instead he celebrated his um, wedding day, technically at the Hilton down there in Orange County. Yeah, we had a staycation. That's what we did. And um, nice. yeah, and so that's why I don't know what, if you guys are screaming or just like partying it up. That but, was, uh, uh, it was a lot of... Uh, Tequila and uh, Jameson. Okay, good You're, job. You, you guys know what happens. Good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> good job. Good job. So, if, as you guys are looking at the screen here, um, if you're listening to us on the radio, we do have visuals on on our YouTube. We have a special guest with us in the house, and uh, this is our first time doing a little Zoom recording right. uh, thing. So we've never done this before. So um, we're hoping that visuals look nice and appealing. Uh, but we have our friend Ish, yes, and do. I don't want to botch your last name, Ver- Verdusco. Verdusco. Pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty. Verdusco. You gotta Verdusco. say it with a little Spanish okay. accent. <laughs> Verdusco. Can you do? Can Verdusco. you roll your? Huh? Can you roll your? Verdusco. Okay. See, that was perfect. Yeah. You said it better than me. Ver, Ver, Verdusco. <laughs> Verdusco. Um, so, uh, actually, just to start off, um, anybody that comes into our show has to do a little trivia. Cool. And it is uh, based on their heritage, and that mm. is the reason why when I messaged you yesterday, I pretended like I was asking you. <laughs> You're part of an Asian Asian uh, hustle network group, um, and oh, so I saw you. Cool. Yeah, I saw you yeah. posting some something up there, and I was like, I don't think he's Asian. So that's, <laughs> th- that was my way of, of asking. I wonder what your heritage is, and yeah. uh, you let me know that you are Mexican, Mexican American. Yep. Exactly. So we got five questions for you. We're cool. gonna ask you five uh, questions. Uh, see if you pass the Mexican heritage test. All right, let's do it. All right, Ish. Go ahead, we're JP. going to start from easy to a little bit harder. Uh, but the first question, what is the capital of Mexico? Uh, Mexico City. Mexico okay. City it is. Yeah. I said it in Spanish in my head. I said DF, and I was like, wait, what does that mean in English? <laughs> what, what, what is it in, uh, in Spanish? Uh, DF. DF? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Oh, That's cool. Okay. Um, okay, so the second question for you: What is the Mexican currency? Pesos. Pesos. Okay, he's like, this is this is a little too easy for me. Well, Philippines is pesos too, so you know. So he should have said <laughs> yeah. Mexican pesos. So, you know. Okay, just in case people didn't know. Okay, third question for you ish: What is the most popular sport in Mexico? It has to be soccer. It is soccer it is. or otherwise known as football. 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 Yes. All right. Facts. Facts. It's okay. not basketball. So he's he's three for three. Hey, there, I, I watched a documentary. There was like an underground uh, Mexican like um, like football t- or uh, basketball tournaments. Like they would go out and they'd go to different cities and stuff, and that's how they're making their money. It's pretty oh, interesting. Okay. And they're actually pretty, pretty good. That's right. It's pre- they're pretty that's good. Pretty um, I think I saw it on Vice. Which is pretty crazy. It could, have, it could have also easily been like Lucha Libre, which is like wrestling, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, hey, I, I want to go to one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, the fourth question for you Who is the president of Mexico? Current. Oh, shit. I have no idea. <laughs> for some reason, I felt like not a lot of like Mexican Americans know who the president is. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but because usually corrupt, <laughs> very true. 
Um, but the correct answer I'm going to botch is to Andres Man- Man- Manuel Lopez Abrador. 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 You know more than I do. Yeah. Hey, didn't know, didn't know. Okay, so three out of four. So you're still right, passing even if you got, get this one right or wrong. Okay. Uh, but we achieve for excellence, okay? So um, the fifth question, what days are considered the Day of the Dead? I think it's September 9th through 11th. But I could be wrong. Ooh. Incorrect. Ooh. Incorrect. Incorrect. You want to take another guess? <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, take another you guess. You can take another guess. Dia de los Muertos. Uh, uh, September, October. It has to be September. September 23rd, I'm going to guess. Incorrect. Oh. It is uh, damn. October 31st to November 2nd. So technically oh, okay. it's on, on, on November 2nd. <laughs> yeah, technically. So it's a three-day festival, yeah. but the Day of the Dead officially is on the third day. So nice. congratulations. Three out of five. You Stop passed that. the KickSpot uh, Mexican Heritage Test. Yes. Three, what percentage is that? Three out of five? Like, 60%. Uh, I don't know, 60% or something like that. It's like my high school grades. We, <laughs> we, we get a lot of 60 percenters on the show. Uh, but um, so... We want to we, today. We want to talk, um, uh, obviously, about you. You've got an interesting background, so mm-hmm. I, I did some research, dug up some stuff on you. Uh, I know oh. you're, you're a DJ, and we've got some mutual friends as far as for DJs. Yep. We just uh, did one like we last just, week. We did a show actually last week on how to DJ, and we completely botched it. So we no, uh, no, no, no. Speak for yourself. You botched it. You can <laughs> you, you can let you get kick spotters. You can, you guys can you know comment, uh, but we're pretty bad. Um, and we have a lot more mutual respect for uh, yeah, DJs. Yeah, it's, it's very tough in general. Yeah. So it's uh, not easy. As you yeah. can see, the people that are watching, I got my turntables. I see back, that so you I got the you that. got the That's OGs. It. You got like the vinyl yeah. vinyl ones. Yeah, not the digital. Not I the love digital. that. Nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. legit. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Real skills right there. Um, also, you had uh, your foot in the door with uh, companies like LinkedIn. Um, you were also with Snapchat, uh, yep. diversity and inclusion. Um, also, I mean, you wrote uh, this book right here. I did. I did write a book. Hey. What, is it <laughs> what is it called? Did you get started on yet? I did. I did read a few. Uh, so I do want to cool. dig deep a little bit, but it's called awesome. How Successful People Get Ish Done. Really, really good Correct. name, especially because his name is Ish. So Love I, the play on, on that one. Yeah. It's amazing. So when I had I, to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> you, um, also, Ish also has a podcast as well. Ty. Um, it, it, it's the same name though, right? It's similar. I just get it, get ish done. I'm trying get to just like brand that as much as possible. Cool. Yeah, yeah. A, a, any other uh, assets? I mean, I'll, I'll, you're obviously the jack of all trades. Any other things that you do? Let's see. I DJ. I started two companies. One of them was an entertainment company with one of my best friends. I like to work out, so I'm trying to work out 300 times this year in what, in 365 days. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I, yeah, I like to work out. I like to eat a lot of food. I like to DJ. I like to read a lot and uh, work in tech. So like, awesome. like you said, a jack of all trades in a, in a way. So when people get to know you um, and they ask the question, who is Ish? What do they usually say? What do I usually say or what do they usually say? What do they usually say and then what do you usually say? It's a lot of me. It depends like how you met me. So like oh, some people know me as like the party nightlife DJ. Like I'm your go-to guy for like parties or clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Other people know me as like the marketing guru. Other people know me as like the tech Latino and tech 
type of dude. Other people know me as just like the pr productive productivity guy that's always going nonstop, Energizer Bunny. Um, and then when I tell people like, who am I? It's like, I'm Latino. I'm from Southern California. I'm strong with my roots. I'm proud like from my heritage and my cultural heritage. Uh, I work in tech. I love marketing and I'm a DJ. So yeah. that's kind of how I, I present it. Cause it, it's like an onion, you know, there's like so many different layers to me and then they like stack on another one on another. There's nightlife. There's also DJs, also entertainment. So there's like that whole sphere there. Um, but yeah, I like to remain very, very on top of it and do different things. It's yeah. crazy. We see, we see more of that, like, especially in our like age group nowadays, like yeah. just the millennials. I think it's, it's almost weird if you don't have a second or third or fourth layer that you're doing, you know what I yeah. mean? Like if, if you're just doing the nine to five gig and like you have nothing else, I, I almost go, oh, uh, is that it? Like, yeah. like, like, like <laughs> what else do you have? You know, like you have yeah. to have something else, you know, like you ask that second question, you know? So that's awesome. Yeah, and you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, all the things that you're doing all lead into like all one thing. I mean, you started as a DJ. It's more of like an entrepreneur thing. You want to learn marketing mm -hmm. and all that. It's also an entrepreneur type, you know, author, entrepreneur. So like to me, if, when I think about Ish, it's a true entrepreneur. He, yeah. You're trying to learn every aspect of, of how to be able to become a great entrepreneur instead of just one topic. So I, exactly. I, I mean, that's just what I what I think. So let me ask you about your past experiences uh, mm -hmm. getting into LinkedIn. Like, why did you start going into LinkedIn and then end up at Snapchat and then you're you're somewhere else now? Yeah, so I actually went to school at UC Merced. It's a really small school in Central, Calif uh, Central California. Um, not very super well known. It's a part of the UC system, but not like one of the UCLA's or UC Berkeley's. And when I graduated from there, I could not, I could not find a job. Like I applied to like, mm. 250 jobs. I was the kid on, on campus that like did it, did it all, you know, like president of multiple organizations. Like, uh, I ran a $350,000 budget for the school to, to plan concerts and brought like T-Pain and A-Track and all these okay. amazing people. Like I sat on boards, I did everything, you know, like when you look at the resume, it was like, okay, it looks like I should have gotten a job, mm -hmm. but I applied to so many, like so many roles for like five or six months from Halfway through my senior year, all the way to the time I graduated, I just applied, 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 and I couldn't, I couldn't get a job. No calls back, no callbacks at all. And this is 2014, so it's not like it was during yeah. a recession yeah. or anything like that. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, like, UC Merced was such a new school. Our, our like, reputation wasn't super strong, like mm -hmm. a UC Berkeley or UCLA or, like, Irvine or anything like that. Uh, so, long story short, I graduated and uh, had to move back in with my parents because I couldn't find a job. Put my pride aside and then landed a job at 24 Hour Fitness as an assistant manager, mm. um, just like a gym, working the gym, front desk, managing people and all that. But throughout my college career, I always wanted to work in like tech. I think like when I was 19, Snapchat was my dream company. And I just, because being like a marketer and a storyteller and a creator, I thought it was amazing how they like allowed anybody with the phone to be able to tell their story through stories, yeah. you know, like the stories feature. And then when I turned 21, it was like LinkedIn. I was really into LinkedIn and I valued how like it connected people. And it was just like a professional network that you could learn, but you can share, but you can like do so many things. And so when I graduated and I was like working at 24 Hour Fitness, I, I liked working out. So I, I figured it would be a good job, you know, yeah, good job for me. But I found myself itching to want to work out the whole time that I was working. And it, 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 I wasn't really happy. You know, I would come home 
eat dinner with my parents and my mom would be like, what's wrong? You don't look too happy. And like, yeah, you know, like this, this job is not really cutting it, not making too much money. Like I'm living home with my parents. I don't have enough to sustain myself on my own. And my mom was like, all right, well, like start applying every night. Just start applying to other jobs while you, at least you have some income coming in. And uh, I had a friend from college who was working at LinkedIn as a contractor. And when you're contracting at a tech company, it basically means like you're not full time. You don't have full time benefits, mm -hmm. but you're technically working at the company. You're getting experience, you're getting paid and all that. And I convinced him to put me on the phone with uh, the hiring manager, which was his boss. Like a 22 year old kid, you know, like, I don't know where I got the balls from, but I was just like, yeah, put me on the phone with the, with the hiring manager. I think I could do this job. And uh, she ended up letting me come on site to interview. I interviewed, did not get the role that I interviewed for, but she opened up a new role for me, like doing what I actually wanted to do, which was events. Um, so that's my my route of getting into tech, which is like 99% of people don't go that route. Mm -hmm. Most people, it's like a recruiter like calls you because they see your resume and they're like, yo, I love your resume. We want you to come on site. Whereas me, it was like the flip side. I had to like weasel my way in through the back door, like hide and like, like basically like push myself through. And I like to share that story to people, especially if they don't have like relation to tech because it's so like non-traditional. Mm -hmm. Like it's completely not what you what you see when, when you talk to people that, that like work these amazing jobs in tech. Well, um, what did you do at LinkedIn? I started off doing events for recruiting, so recruiting events. Then I transitioned into like a project management role, which is like branding for the company. So to get people to want to work there, like shaping that brand. And then my third role at the, at the company was social media marketing. So I was the social media lead for their $2 billion business basically. Um, and then around that time, I was trying to move down to LA and I was trying to do like a work from home situation. It wasn't really working out with LinkedIn. It, they kind of didn't want me to do that. Um, and I was like, well, f this. like I'm going to make it work. <laughs> like, and then the role opened up at Snapchat. I've always like been passionate about diversity. Yeah. And I've, like I told you guys, I've always wanted to work at Snap. So applied, got the role, even though I didn't have technically like diversity, equity, and inclusion experience. And a year later, now I'm working at a startup or I'll be starting at a startup in two weeks. So that's my awesome. short tech. Um, career so far and, and you were a diversity and inclusion you you i mean you worked at snapchat as diversity and inclusion is like a manager or yeah elaborate yeah. on that role yeah i mean yeah, how, so, how important is that to you and, and why oh why it's you do that? it's so important these types of roles especially right now like in 2020 of all the stuff that's going on in the world these these roles are super super important because without people that are their full-time job is to like manage diversity and inclusion programs and initiatives there's so much shit that goes like under under the table, under the rug, you know, like uh, so much bias in the hiring processes, so much uh, un unfairness with different people from different backgrounds that work in spaces that is predominantly one, like one person. It's like white men in tech, basically, yeah. you know. Um, so w what my job was at Snap was uh, building out a partnerships program that leverage these micro communities of like black, Asian, LGBTQ, uh, Latino, women in tech, external organizations, and then leverage those to like tap into talent pools of people so mm -hmm. we can hire them and learn best practices and elevate Snap's brand as an employer. Mm -hmm. um, so I built out a program and I think it's like nine different partners that I work with um, to help hire, bring people in, 
make sure that the stuff that we were doing was inclusive to people from all different backgrounds, not just like one particular like particular background. Um, and yeah, that was basically my job. And, and was there a certain metric that you were you're trying to hit? Like how like out of those nine, were you trying to recruit a certain percentage out of each? This was the first year that we uh, that we did it, so we didn't necessarily have like we want to make X amount of hires. We didn't want to like make hires, but it was more like setting the foundation and then the following year would be like all right well that's the foundation we want to make x amount of hires now mm-hmm. so oh, so you guys haven't but, scaled yet like on no. what the goal is for that okay yeah exactly in those big corporations and tech companies how open are they to i mean like, there's a lot of criticism within the diversity and inclusion like position right and mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that it's such a recent position. It's like a, you know, things happen and that's the reason why this was created. Mm-hmm. But was it just created because they have to meet the quota, you know, and and I've, I've seen a lot of corporations just kind of put that position and hey, you can just sign up for like a group and then, yeah. you know, get mentored in this. But there aren't a lot of times except for maybe PepsiCo. I think they did they did a really, really good job with their diversity and inclusion. Um, I think the CEO in the past was um, of uh, Indian heritage and um, a, a woman. She was like one of the top women to actually become a CEO. And it was mm-hmm. it was like I I worked at Frito-Lay um, as a district manager and she kind of changed the game because she was representing, you know, every other, you know, diverse person. And, and it's mm-hmm. like like a one or two percent percentage right yeah and so exactly. a lot of these big tech companies it's a lot of uh non-diverse uh people <laughs> and they just have this position so within snapchat or some of the other places that you've been how open are they for change i think uh if you have buy-in from leadership like super super high leadership ceo and exec then you have buy-in from the entire company but that's the most difficult part like at snap there, there was buy-in from Evan and the, the exec, you know, the exec team. Um, but you, you said something that made me like remember how a lot of different companies, like you said, will put a DEI program manager in this role just to like stunt, to look good, yeah. to show the, the rest of the world like we have somebody that's doing work. Or they will they will put somebody in this role and say like we want to hire 100 black engineers or like 50 Latino engineers or whatever. And Oftentimes, that's not the right approach because you're just solving one problem and yeah. you're going after it the really wrong way. Whereas Snap, we had a holistic approach where we tried to uh, make the company more inclusive as a whole. So at the company as it was, like allyship programs and like open conversations and all that, our recruitment efforts to bring more diverse people in and then the product itself. So when you think about Snapchat, the app, is it inclusive for different people who might have a disability? Is it is the yeah. are the is the content is the is the thing that you're seeing on the actual app itself inclusive because it speaks to many different backgrounds itself. But that's more of a holistic approach versus like I'm gonna hire somebody to do diversity and I want you to ha- like make a bunch of hires from people like women in tech, you know, or whatever whatever for the, the background is that you want to hire for. Were there I mean, was part of your job um, to like look at something like um, people that are like visually impaired and try to integrate like how snapchat can help out with that because some of my team some of my team worked on stuff similar to that like with the product team so figuring out like accessibility basically so how can we make the product more accessible Mm -hmm. um 
and I set up an a partnership with this organization called Disability In, um, and they share best practices in terms of like, okay, well, if you are a company that has an app, here are a list of things that you should consider because if you don't have a disability, others might like just to be open and, and uh, more understanding, you know, and, and welcoming from different backgrounds. But without those partnerships, it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and when you create these partnerships, are you going through training as well from those those companies? Depends. Like all of them are different. You know, like some some of them we're not using them to to recruit. Some of them we would use them for just like knowledge based sharing. Others it was like for networking. Others it was like for only like programs and trainings. And others it was like a mix of like we're gonna do events with you. We want to recruit from your talent pool. We want to do a training with you, a mentorship program. So the, it just varied whatever they had to offer and then whatever we needed at the time. And then um, for you personally, like what was your kind of, what impact did you want to leave by becoming the DNI for Snap? Like what was that major goal for you personally? What made, what was my goal in the role? Or what made me want to, to go do that job? Both. So. Working at LinkedIn, I was doing marketing, which is like a 180 flip, you know? Right. Um, I always felt like the out person. Like I'm from Los Angeles, I'm Latino, I'm very Mexican. Like when you when you, when you you come from an underrepresented group and you walk the halls of one of these tech companies and you're like, what the hell? Where's everybody at? Like literally, where's everybody at? Yeah. You look Just around and you're like, I'm the only Latino yeah, that I out. see except for that one person, you yeah. know? Or I'm the only black person except for that one person or the only woman on this whole technical floor, you know? Um, so that that kind of got me interested in because I, I didn't know that these tech companies were that bad, you know, until yeah. I actually started working there and I started networking with other people in San Francisco that worked at different companies. And they're like, yep, it's that bad over here too. Wow. And so when I was working at LinkedIn, I, I started doing like volunteer work, like a bunch of volunteer work. So a bunch of different programs, events, initiatives, mentorship programs, all that stuff. So I was kind of doing it on the side already. And then I talked to my manager, one of my mentors at the time, and she said, I asked her, I was like, hey, if I wasn't doing marketing, what else could you see me doing? Sometimes you need that outside of like outside view, outside, mm -hmm. like look into to your life, you know, because we're so stuck in the day to day. You don't really yeah. see these different areas and attributes that you have. And then she's like, it's pretty obvious, like you'd be doing diversity work. Like, can't you see that? And I was like, <laughs> can you look at it, the it was like. Yeah, I was like, it was so close to me that I didn't really, I didn't, I, it was like, went over my head, you know? And I was like, yeah. well, shit, you're, you're actually really right. Like, I, I would do that for free, you know? Mm -hmm. As long as my bills are paid, I would do that for free. Um, and so that's why I, I did it. And now transitioning from Snap, where I was doing a full-time diversity role, to Crave It, which is a startup, and doing marketing. It's like the diversity and, and inclusion practices that I learned I'll take that throughout the, my, the rest of my career. You know, like I'm going to the startup, we're gonna build a company. I'm gonna take all that stuff and like, it'll go with me and hopefully we'll build a more inclusive startup than most other ones that don't have that like upper leg. So that was kind of like the why of my crazy career so far. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You are listening to Kickspot. You are listening to Kickspot. Now, transitioning into the book here, um, I do not know a single Mexican American author. <laughs> or leadership guru right, right. so you would probably be 
our first the only one the only one the og the original okay so you know 10 15 years down the line when people are reading this book we say you know he was on kick you heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) world premiere (laughs) so so tell like what got you into writing the book yeah so uh i'll I'll set the tone with I am not a writer by trait and growing up reading and writing was my worst subject. Uh, Aside from like some Harry Potter books, I don't (laughs) think I voluntarily read growing up. Even in high school, I did not read any of the books we were mandatory, like it was mandatory to read. I would go on Cliff Notes or watch the documentary or go on YouTube and watch any videos that I could find about it. And then that's how I would pass the classes, you know, my writing classes. And even in college, I did not write. I would stay up the night before, like trying to cram and write the papers and stuff like that. So if anybody's listening is like, I always wanted to write a book, but I'm a shitty writer, you can do it. Cause I, <laughs> I was a really bad writer. Huh. Um, what made me want to write it was uh, during my first or second year working at LinkedIn, I was like, I don't know, 23, 24 at the time. Um, fresh college grad, you know, like you're really excited, excited to just learn on the job and everything. I found myself surrounded with all these other amazing people that went to these amazing schools that were all so interested in like self-development. And it was like one of the first times that I, that I was around that kind of vibe, you know, like these people that went to like Harvard, Berkeley, like all these amazing schools that I like look up to. And they were all like outside of their day jobs, they were doing other stuff. They were going to classes, they were going to trainings, they were reading books and like, my high school friends, they didn't like just read books on the side, you know, it was, it was something that we did because we had to. Mm-hmm. And growing up for me too, it was like, I didn't read because I didn't want to, I didn't like read because I thought it would be good for me to better myself. You know, like it was something that I, I had to do. So in order, so I just did it. But around the same time, I picked up this book called Smart Cuts by Shane Snow. And I recommend it a hundred, like to everybody that I meet. Um, that was the first book that I read on my own and that I actually like, wanted to read and enjoyed reading in my adult life at like 24 years old um after reading that book i was hooked i was like holy shit, there's this world of like knowledge that i can learn on my own at my own pace um and nobody's telling me that i gotta like do a quiz or do a paper on it and so i went on a rampage for a few years of just learning and i read in 2019 i read uh, like 47 books uh, the year before that was my podcast year. So I went through hundreds of podcast episodes, probably like 400 podcast episodes in a year. Um, the year before that was like my documentary year. I just went through every single documentary I could find about from like EDMs, like artists, uh, like entrepreneurs, like anybody you could think of, you know, like Henry Ford, all this stuff, documentaries. I just like learned as much as I could. And I didn't really have a goal in mind while I was doing all this learning. I was just like, it was so cool to me that I could like, learn on my own on my own topics at my own pace and it got to a point where uh last year i was driving down to see my sister in san diego we're just gonna have like a lunch date and i was listening to think and grow rich uh audiobook and it's something spoke to me in that book when i tell people that it sounds really cheesy it sounds really crazy but i had like this self-realization of like ish you're being selfish by doing all this learning and not sharing it with people, especially your people, your family, your friends, people from your culture. And I started to think, like I kept driving and I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird, like a weird thought. I kept, and I started to think about it, like, why don't my friends and family, my close people, Mexican, like my like my people, you know, Latinos are underrepresented people. Like, why don't they do more of this, learn that type of learning? 
And then I started to like reflect on all of the, the books and stuff that I that I read and the podcasters and the self-development people. And like there were 90% white men from privileged backgrounds, you know? So then I was like, that's probably it is because the content doesn't always hit home with them. Yeah. You know, yep. the references might like go over people's head. The words might be too like big or like ex extra, you know? So then I started thinking about like, well, I know a lot from all these books. It would be cool if I just wrote one for my people and like included my story and used more like relatable examples, but like writing this book truly for people of underrepresented backgrounds, whether, whether you're a woman in tech or whether you're like a Latino, black, Asian, whatever. If you feel like you're underrepresented in your community, then this book is going to speak to you. Because if you pull up like a Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, or any of these other amazing books that I've learned so much from, you will see a stark difference between the two. You know, like I dropped the last on one of the last pages. You can check it. It's a Nipsey Hussle quote. That's it? how I. That's how like I end the book on like the second to the last page is a Nipsey Hussle quote, mm. and like little things like that that I spark like sprinkle in throughout the book. Like I reference Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I talk about his story. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Kobe Bryant, I like do a, almost a whole chapter on him and how he impacted me, you know? So like, that's, that's kind of what drove me to write it. And I wanted to make sure while I wrote it, I was relatable and I, it wasn't easy, man. It was really, really hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I've done really crazy things, you know? <laughs> any, any Asian references of the book? <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, you know who Bobby Hunter is? Yeah, I do. So I didn't I didn't reference him, but I, I studied the shit out of him and his entire story. It's crazy, right? Um, yeah, Stories Bobby Hundreds is a G. Yeah, um, oh God. He, ran, you, he ran the streetwear for a long time. Yeah, he did. And it, he, there's a really good docu, it's like a 30 minute docu-series mm -hmm. uh, on, it's called The, Bl the Blueprint. Mm -hmm. So if you just YouTube The Blueprint, uh, Bobby Hundreds. Mm -hmm. So that, he was like a big inspiration too, but there's not like any specific Asian ones that I can think of off the top of my head. But they were like Asian people that I like studied and deep, like basically like analyzed their entire life and like how they became successful and what were the main things and the themes and what did they do? How did they do it? What time did they wake up? What were their habits? Like I analyzed everything, you know? It's funny how you mentioned about like us as under kind of represented like, you know, people like Hispanics, Blacks, women, Asians, right? Mm -hmm. And me and Gina always talk about like, why did we start Kickspot? It's literally one of the biggest reasons why we started Kickspot is because we wanted to have a voice, but even though I don't have one right now, for <laughs> for for all of our Asian American, you know, um, people, Korean, Filipino, like you know, mm -hmm. two two like best friends that are just like talking about everything, and we wanted to give perspective and knowledge about a ton of topics, you know, and this one is about inclusion and diversity, right? This is just one, but we we've had what fifteen episodes. And they're also different, but our goal is to educate people for self-development. Right when you said it, I'm like, yo, that's us. Like I was yeah. like, in my head, like, yo, that's literally us. <laughs> you know, so it's and awesome. One of the cool things too is like when I, before I started writing the book and before I hired an editor or anything like that, I, uh, because I come from a marketing background, I developed audience personas. So I think it was three or four personas that I did. And I literally on a piece of paper, like wrote out, if this was a person, what would their name be? What would their background be? Like their cultural background, their age, like upbringing. I made fake people, but people that are like very likely to be like in my life or in our life or friends yeah. or family. And one of them was like a young, 
young Latino living in like South Central LA, like really growing up in like a really bad area, like has a lot of grit, like has a hustle and everything. And he just needs something to like guide him in the right direction. This is the book that's going to help. him. Another one was like an Asian, uh, young Asian American. She was 22 years old. Her name is Reina. And she, uh, she wants to, and I made all this up, all this stuff up, She's but I have Filipino. friends and family. I have like hella friends and friends that are like, can relate to it. And I like called a bunch of them up. So like Reina is like a fresh college grad. She is very creative, but her parents want her to become a doctor or a dentist or something like a that. Nurse. And so, or a nurse or a nurse, something like that. So this book is like going to help her define what her goals could be in that creative world and like show her parents like here, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to achieve my goals. And here's why I'm passionate about it. So that, that's another, and then another one was like a 33 year old black man has three kids, married, uh, loves his job or doesn't, doesn't like his job, but it pays the bills. And he like, has like this creative hustle to want to do more, but not sure like how to start, what to do, you know, kind of like having kids already in that phase of your life where you're kind of starting to cruise. And this, this book is going to help him like find that spark, light that spark and actually put action behind it. Yeah, and, and the book is very simplified. It's it's really easy to read, um, yeah. and they have uh, you know you have good points uh, throughout the chapters. I mean, uh, my favorite, obviously, the beginning talking about self awareness. You have to um, have self awareness um, to be able to get to know you, and then be able to inspire others. But what would you say is your favorite uh, part? Probably chapter or the first step in the framework, which is it's self concept, which is a uh, so. When I was studying all these successful people, self-awareness kept coming up. Mm-hmm. It was like, this person is so successful because they're so self-aware, they, they know themselves, they're self-aware. And as a person who's trying to educate others on a topic, I had to try to understand what makes a person more self-aware then. And I went down this black hole of like, trying to figure out the answer and I couldn't figure it out. So uh, I ended up finding out that when we say self-awareness on an everyday basis, we actually mean our self-concepts it's a psychological term yeah so self-concepts is like here's your present self this is your past self this is your could be future self if you deconstruct who each of those individual people are in separate settings then you become more self-aware you know who you are why you are the main like moments in your life that defined you what gets you going what makes you creative like break down as much as you can as uh, detailed as possible past self and then looking forward your future self I think that exercise is the most important exercise in the entire book. Yeah, can you go over that exercise? The the questions that you ask. I don't I don't have them in front of me, but like off the top of my head, it's like if you're analyzing your present self, it's do present self. Uh, who are you right now? Like if you just had to write it in one sentence, who are you? Um, what what motivates you? What gets you going? How do you get most creative? Uh, what gets you inspired? Who gets you inspired in your life? Is there a particular music that you get like? your creative flow, um, what uh, environments help you focus or what environments like produce creativity, um, who in your life do you find energy from, who in your life do you like find negativity or like you feel like you're dragging on with and the questions just go on and on and you can make up the questions as you go but the goal is to essentially to like better understand who you are. And, and once you get to the end of that exercise, there really is no end. Like I did this for myself and I probably went to like a hundred different questions on like a piece of paper and just kept writing and writing. Um, when you get to the end of that or whatever you define as the end is, you can you can look back like if it's a, like an analysis, you know? Like if, if you are a science experiment 
and you're like going back to the lab and like, okay, like, well, we obviously need to know if we're going to build our, a routine for this person, like looking at yourself, then he would have to wake up at this time, go to sleep at this time. The creative flow is, is at this time. We would want to put the desk over here because the lighting hits this way. We would want to like have music set up on the phone, on your phone, download it on Spotify. And this is the type of music for me. That's uh, house music. That's like Kygo, you know, Robin Schultz. That's the music that gets me creative, my creative flow. I like to wake up early so that I can get my workout in at 5 a.m. So that by 7.30, when I start my work day, I am 110% alert and awake. So that from 7.30 to noon, I like do my hardest work during that time. I do my interviews during that time as well so that I'm like creatively going. And so then when you do all that exercise, the rest of the book makes sense because you're like, okay, now I'm basing it off like real knowledge and data points and, and a real assessment versus like, if I give you all these hacks and tips and tricks, yeah, they're gonna work, but but they will be a lot more effective if you like dissect who you are as a person first. And I think uh, people don't take the time to really do that. It doesn't when when you wake up in the morning, it's like, what is my sense of purpose? Yeah. And when you do a self reflection on those questions on yourself, then you wake up more excited, um, and you do have that purpose, especially with everything going on right now with the like COVID. Mm -hmm. Everybody's working from home, like people need to assess that. And then also based off of where you're at in your life, you could do a reassessment. It's not like yep. that's going to work, you know, for six months. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, what's my purpose again? I mean, do, do the questions again. Yeah. And then, I, say, I say to that in the book, I do it twice a year. I do it on my birthday, July 30th. I do it again, July 1st when everybody else does it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And if you do it at least twice a year, it's, it's good. You can do it more frequently, like you said, or do it like big staple moments of your life. Like if you're getting married or, you're having a kid or you got a new job and just asking yourself like am i doing this because i want to do it or am i doing it because my friends on instagram are flexing and i want to do it too yeah often oftentimes that happens you know like somebody's getting married and you start to feel like oh should i be getting married should i be having kids should i be getting a house should i be getting a car or like should i be doing this job or that job it's like ask yourself if that's what you want first and and truly like deconstruct your response you say you want to do it because you like doing it. Well, why do you like doing it? Are there past actions that you've shown that like tend to that too? Like from, for example, my role at diversity inclusion at SNAP, if you look at it, it looks so like out of left field. But then if you look at this other stuff that I did for the five years while I was at LinkedIn, my side projects and all that stuff, it all speaks to it. So when I, when I took that role, I was like, oh yeah, it's obvious it's duh. I was already doing it for free. I love doing it. Why not? You know? Other, as I read, um, you know, I, I, I typically read a lot of books as well, too, as far as for like leadership or motivational books. Um, some of them have similar messages mm -hmm. um, within the book that you wrote. Are there concepts um, or theories that you came up with on your own that you're like, hey, I, I this is like what I, I went through. This really helped me out. Yeah, the, the book itself is probably a summary of like 20 different of the most popular self-development books out there you know like you're going to learn about flow you're going to learn about routines habits rituals you're going to learn about like motivation driving self-assessment all that stuff and those are all books on their own you know like there's a yeah, book yeah. for flow all that but there's one concept that i made up because i couldn't figure out how to explain how what it is all these successful people did and it's this concept of compound learning um i made up that term because i was like I couldn't figure out how else to explain it. It's essentially like these, all these successful people use every life interaction and every life moment, whether it's like 
intentionally doing it or if they're on the street meeting somebody or they're doing a podcast interview they use all of this to learn grow compound learn grow compound towards a specific goal mm -hmm. so like if my goal is to become a national dj like a global like dj then every single interaction that i have in my life is like an opportunity to like inch towards that goal or network or learn or ask specific questions or have an eye out for a specific uh i don't know like if, if i'm out at a bar and pe i see people move into a certain song i'm like okay well i'm gonna bite that piece of information and next time i'm djing i'm gonna like try it out you know listen look and, and the successful people do that kobe bryant did that like dwayne the rock johnson does that and they do it so naturally that anybody else that's around them doesn't even realize it they're navigating the conversations they're asking certain questions they're looking when other people don't even see that they're paying attention you know and just like anything else that's compounded you learn something and then you use it it compounds you learn something else you implement it it compounds and you just keep going obviously i don't want to spoil the entire book I, I mean, <laughs> no nah, man i can I, I don't really mind i can talk as much as we want about it i don't care at all if people end up liking what i'm saying they could buy it if not i'm it's cool you can I, you can ask whatever you want about it so i do have a question so yeah what so if I'm a, if, if I'm gonna be reading this book, right? Like, and then we're talking about it. Like at the end of our conversation, you go, "Makes this is what I really want you to get out of my book." What would that be? So I'm not gonna answer it specifically directly, like how you how you yeah, ask the question. Yeah, but I was talking to a 16 year old, uh, like my my girlfriend's younger cousin. Uh, he's 16 years old. Actually, he's 15. He said he read the book. And my girlfriend asked him in front of me, like, what, what is it that you took away? And then he, like, I literally wanted to cry. He was like, well, he's like, uh, I, after reading it, I realized that, like, no matter what, you can do it. Like, even if, even if there's nobody else in the past looks like you or talks like you or has done it in the past, you can do it. Like, you just have to be disciplined and you have to, like, put in the work. And, like, that made me so happy. And, like, that was the, that's the goal. It's to Yep. As a person of color writing a book, there's not very many of us. And to like put in all of this work and all this research for like a 15 year old kid to say like, I can do it. And here's the, here's how to do it in this book or like whatever, you know, like that's amazing. You know, that's, that's touching. No, yeah. Yeah. That, that is very that's touching. crazy. I, I, I would cry too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's so much research that you did just, yeah. you know, to create the book. I mean, I'm sure you could have wrote chapters and chapters um, beyond what you wrote. Are there going to be any sequels that you're going to write? I might do one on just compound learning because that that is a, a topic on its own. You know, like pull so many different examples. And I think the power of compound learning is when people do it intentionally. A lot of us do it on accident sometimes. Like we're like out and about, you realize certain trends and then in the back of your mind, you have that knowledge, but you don't really intentionally use it. Um, but I might write a book just about that. You are listening to Kickspot. You are listening to Kickspot. This, the next book that I'm thinking about writing is highlighting specific people in my life and successful people that we all know and uh, deconstructing like their habits, rituals, and routines. Mm. So you can say like, if your idol is whoever, Beyonce, Jay-Z, and like really dig into like how do they operate because we often treat them as like mythical creatures you know right, right. these successful people they're really not that like mythical <clears throat> they're just 
very disciplined and like hardworking and strict with very specific things in their lives. So being able to like show that to somebody who has no idea or nobody in their life that is like that. Like some of us are blessed to have an aunt, uncle, cousin, somebody that's really motivating. But for other people who don't have somebody like that, a piece of content like a book or a podcast or a blog, like to be able to share it through a piece of content that's like translatable to many different people. I think that's that's pretty cool, pretty powerful. If you had to dissect your personality trade, what what is your person? Are you like an analytical person? I mean, you're going to do all that work. It's like you're creating data and then putting it <laughs> in, into the book. I mean, that takes a lot of patience as well, too. But what is yeah. your personality trait? I don't I don't know. Actually, I was talking to my girlfriend because she uh, she got her master's degree in marriage, marriage and family therapy. She's like a psychologist background, psychology background. And uh, I think I have a little bit of like ADHD. Uh, I don't know if that's like person like that falls in line with your question, but whenever I have a goal uh, or something that I have top of mind or something that I want to do, I won't stop until I do it. And that's like one of my biggest strengths, but it's also big, like one of my biggest weaknesses because everything else just like blacks out. And I just like, kind of like you go in a, t a tunnel, mm. like I DJed for 10 years straight and reflecting on those 10 years, I was looking at all the stuff that I did and I was like, holy shit. I DJed in Las Vegas without having an agent. I like went on a US national tour while working like a full-time job at LinkedIn and running an entertainment company, you know? So I don't know if it's necessarily like I'm analytical or um, or anything like that in terms of my personality, but I just, if there's something that I wanna do, I'm gonna do it. And and then if there's, a, if there's an opportunity to help other people along the way, then it just makes it so much, like makes me want it so much more. And the book was a perfect example of that. I wrote it in eight and a half months, you know, heads down. Every single day after snap, I would spend like four or five hours a night on this chair, like writing the book. Saturdays and Sundays, like 12 hour days at a coffee shop, writing the book, reviewing the book, editing the book, on conversations or on calls with my editor, long ass calls, just figuring out like how we're gonna dissect the chapters and form it all together. Yeah. So for, for like <clears throat> months, it was just like no social life know nothing it was just the book and until it was done the first draft and i wasn't happy you know you said that um it's a positive and a negative have you found a balance with that now i have but like three years ago i didn't have a balance and it was like really unhealthy and, and how um, did you create that balance it it was almost through like a heart not a hardship but in 2017 like 16 17 um i was working like a maniac like i was working like 60 hour weeks at work and then and then working out and then djing for like five hours a night like practicing going to sleep at like one or two a.m on like a weekday and then waking up five hours later four hours later and going to work and doing it again and it was because i had the tunnel vision of like i want to be a successful dj but i also want to have a successful career in tech and it is possible, but I was also doing so many other things that like filled in the other gaps of time that I, I hit a point of exhaustion. And um, I, I would just wake up out of bed and I would feel tired after sleeping eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours. And it just happened for a couple of weeks. And it took about a month of me sleeping like 10 hours a night and not DJing at all and like cutting back on my workouts and like not doing too much other mental activity aside from work 
And then I realized like, oh, okay, I can't, like I'm not a machine. I can't push myself to that far anymore, like that far anymore. And so now I have like a set of checks and balances like in my life. I use tools, I use apps. I have my schedule that I like live and breathe, you know, like if it's not on the calendar, it won't happen. And I've gone to a point in my life where I don't need to block everything out. I've, I've done it so much, so much that it, it's, it becomes like natural for me. I wake up at a certain time. I'm very intentional with my schedules, my rituals and my routines, and I plan them all out. But I do that because I know that things can go bad very easily. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person that if I say, if I say right now that my goal is to become a global DJ or write another book or insert any goal, you know, then I'm not going to be happy until like I actually go and do it. So if I have set schedules, riches and routines, and they, they keep me grounded and they keep me disciplined with whatever it is that I said I was going to do. And what do those schedules change? They do change. They change all the time. Um, but does it bug you? Sometimes it does. Yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can lay out my schedules. Like when I was working at snap and I was, I was like waking up at like five o'clock. I was working from home. So the, the schedule was wake up at five, start working out by five fifteen, be done with my workout by like seven, have, breakfast and shower be ready to work and start by 7 45 8 8 o'clock till like 11 11 o'clock have a snack 11 30 i'll be back to work work until like one have lunch after that 11 1 30 back to work be done by like 5 30 and like concentrated work so like no instagram no twitter no linkedin like focused after that i would take like a 20 30 minute break just to like mentally reset and then I would work on like my my book or my whatever project that was on at the time. So then it was like concentrated work for like two hours, have dinner with my grandma, then back to work three, four hours, concentrated, focused, 110%. Like that's the only thing I was doing. Headphones in, cup of coffee, nothing else, nothing else, no other tabs on my on my laptop either. Hmm. Um, that was the schedule for a while. But like, of course things come up, you know, like birthdays come up or like need to help somebody do something, things like that. Um, but I'm happiest when things are like <laughs> consistent, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like a, you're doing a Franklin Covey. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, it's, it's, uh, I obviously Migs looks at me because I, your personality is very similar to mine. Really? Very, very similar. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I had to point out cause I, I was like, dude, I, I mean, I talk to him every day. I, I pretty much know his schedule. And I was like, dude, like, I, I don't know. We both have busy schedules, but I feel like he, he like tops me like 10 times, tenfold. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I go, it, he knows I'm busy. Like it's crazy pack our schedules, but he takes it to another level yeah. where like last night, like we were uploading a video and you, oh, I was trying to edit our YouTube episode. And then I go text him and go, bro, there's no sound on the episode that's about to come out at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And it was like, what, 10 o'clock in, at night? Yeah. He goes, dude, I'm about to cry right now. Cause I totally just messed up whatever he had on his schedule. <laughs> And like he had to edit the the video for me to be able to edit it in the morning yeah. and then put the thumbnail in. So I get how both of y'all feel. So because yeah. I'm like, I, to me, the the conversation about balance is so key. Yeah, it, it's 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 very about, about resetting. It it's so key. So taking the time twenty twenty thirty minutes throughout the day. It's so crucial, you know, for you to be able to keep moving you know, and, and get to the, the motivators and, and get the, the task done right at the end of the day. So you have to, you have to, like, it goes back to the other conversation we just had. You have to know yourself. You have to, I learned through 
many grumpy days and pissed off days and conversations with my girlfriend and my family asking me what's wrong with me that I need to have that time to reset. If I don't have that time and I go directly like from work to hanging out with family, then I'm my mind is on Mars. My mind is not there. My body's there, but my mind is like somewhere else. And so I learned through trial and error that like you need to have that time. You need to have time to sleep. You need to put time to rest. You need to put time to do nothing. You need to put time just for yourself because otherwise you keep going and, and you can sustain it for a little while, like just going and going and going and going, but eventually like it does catch up. So and, my question for you, Ish, is you've accomplished a ton, right? And and you're still pretty young, you know, successful DJ, you know, diversity and inclusion. You've worked for Snap, LinkedIn, and now you're about to work for Crave It. It's Crave It, correct? Crave It. Yeah. And You've wrote a you've wrote a book, you know, you've done a lot more than a lot what a lot of people can say. So we always talk about this on our podcast, you know, and learning from entrepreneurs like yourself. There's there's the why that makes you cry, right? There's that at, at like that core of like ish is motivation. Like what is that? What is that why that makes you cry that wants you to keep doing this and live a better lifestyle and share that with people? So in the next five years, my goal is to impact at least a million people from underrepresented groups. So that's my like short-term why. My overall why, and it's like a huge overarching goal, I guess, or mission, is just to like help people by showing them my struggles, things that I've learned, and showing them that I've done things as well. So it's like, if, if I was a shitty writer my whole life, but I wrote a book, that shows other people that they can do it too. If like I was skinny my entire life and it was really difficult for me to gain muscle, but I did it and I hit my my goal of 200 pounds muscle mass, then that means that other people can do it too, you know, but it takes X, Y, and Z to do it. And so that's just, just what I'm trying to do in life. You know, it's like, if I can help people get a job, if I can help people achieve whatever goal it is, if I can help people by sharing a little piece of information that I've learned by working in tech or a blog or a podcast or a book or whatever it is, the methods and the, the pieces of content and the forms of content are gonna change as time changes. But the overall goal is just like to help people and like that that's a fun life to live no matter what you do you're helping people become better helping people achieve their goals helping people become like happier um so yeah that's that's uh awesome. that's the goal yeah it's just it's crazy now with with the age of social media i, I think sometimes people get it twisted right like people do it for they, they say for the people, do, people the do it, yeah. yeah you know and, and people really just do it for clout you know, and yeah. it, it's not really the, the the genuine sincerity is not there, you know, and that's why like most of these like motivational speakers on Instagram, Ty Lopez, like you know, like <laughs> like, like, wow. like, like little you know, like I I just I'm not bought in, I, yeah. I'm just not that bought in just because of just I think the way it's being portrayed, you know, it, it's hustle culture, it's like, hustle culture, yeah, 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 it's oh, yeah. culture vultures, you know, like cloud yeah. chasers, you know, so but it's it's different. I've always hated the like. Look at the background, you know. Look yeah, at this car, like, right? Yeah. Right when you gotta, right when you gotta advertise that, you know. I it's weird. I had a conversation with my sister about this, and I said, you know, I think that you know I would want to listen to somebody that shows the hustle, mm -hmm. not the end result. Be pa be passionate about the process, not mm -hmm. the end result, yep. right? Yep. And you know, she disagrees with me at times. You know, she's in the, okay. she's in the real estate industry. She wants to, you know, show a certain lifestyle. But I'm like, you know, I, I feel like if someone shows the process, it means that they're more on the grind and they're going to work harder for me if I'm going to buy a house from somebody 
Yeah, so hundred percent. It's it's pretty. We're very very alike. We're very very alike (laughs) because that's that's like my goal for social media is like, yes, show like teach people. Yeah. But if you follow me on any social channel, I show everything that I've done. Yeah. And the reason why I built such a cult following for the book is because I showed every struggle writing the book from the inception point to like me being up at three o'clock in the morning, drinking another cup of coffee, like trying to figure out how to do Amazon publishing, like all this stuff. I showed every single step and I told people like, this is, this sucks. This sucks. This is great. This is cool. It's amazing. This feels great. And like by showing the process, it makes it so much more real versus like, whatever, everybody, I wrote a book, check it out, buy it on Amazon. Like, all right, cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Why would you want to do that? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy that. It's, it's yeah. literally the people that show yeah. off the mansion at the very end in the background. It's like, hey, if you follow my five-step process, you'll yeah. end up with a mansion. I'm like, <laughs> hey, how, they how, make it sound so easy. Like, like, purchase yeah. this fourteen ninety-nine subscription for this program. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. okay, like it's it's always it's always like nine hundred ninety-nine dollars, and they scratch it off, and it's like fourteen ninety-nine. Yeah, fourteen ninety-nine. Yeah, or like six hundred dollars, and it's only yeah. fifteen dollars yeah. a day. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely hate that. And yeah, like I said, you gotta gotta be passionate about the process and I'm glad that that you're doing that. And, you know, we talk about influencers and I, I wrote a post, um, you're one one of them by the way. And I said, well, (laughs) I I wrote a post saying that I don't like it when people call me influencers because I haven't influenced you in your life. Mm -hmm. So if you think that because I get a sponsorship and then I take a picture that influenced you in some way, I'm still not an influencer. Like if I added value to you personally, if I'm doing stuff that, you know, like we're doing the the podcast and you know we want to talk about these things we want to talk about leadership and how to be able to motivate and if i have a hundred people follow me and that's it and they say that i'm an influencer and that's what i'm doing i'll take that yeah you know i agree yep yeah Yeah. i agree 100 percent. yeah it doesn't make sense um so where can people uh buy the book right now it's only available on amazon but i might uh i might expand that because there's some people that don't want to support Amazon at all. And I respect that hundred oh, wow. percent. Okay. Um, they're like, yeah, trying to make uncle Jeff Bezos richer than he already is. Oh, true. Yeah. But, uh, but right now it's, it's only available on Amazon. You could just type in get ish done, um, and connect with me on social. Like it's ish for Jusco for everything. Um, and like we talked, I keep it a hundred on social. Like Instagram is my daily life peek into like what I do on my daily basis, all my habits, rituals, routines, timed out everything. Twitter. I try to like share as much knowledge. LinkedIn. I share a ton of like, learnings blogs all that stuff um so it's our conversation is consistent with like what i actually do too i'm not just like putting up a front you know yeah as you're expanding that out too for those people living in los angeles uh there's a lot of traffic so are you going to be putting in an audio version of this mm-hmm. or anything yeah. like that yeah yeah that's the goal so next the goal is to convert the book to spanish oh so, wow. that's big so yeah i want to write this i want to convert it to spanish be able to publish that in spanish and then like phase three is uh, audio. And I wanna do the audio really different, which is why I've been holding off. I could have easily just like recorded it myself or had a friend do it. Um, but have you heard the David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, Mm-mm. the audio book? All right, you guys, after this, you gotta download that book. <laughs> it's amazing, it's gonna, it's amazing. You guys will really like it, we'll is, see. Is we'll he rapping what. in it? What is he doing? So it's, he does a really different format where he has somebody read the book and after each chapter, it's like a podcast format. So they ask questions. Oh, like if I'm in, if I'm interviewing you, it's like David, like good. David Goggins, like why? Like tell me about that moment when like your dad passed away. Like what, what were you like feeling? What were you going through? And like that format was so so different than 
any other book I listen to because all my books are audiobooks that I listen to too. I hardly ever like buy physical books, um, but that one stood out. And that, that's how I want to do my model mine after as well. Yeah, like smart. kind of interview interview podcasty style, almost like um, after each important chapter or section. It, it gives a personal element too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I really enjoy. That's that's 100%. very, very smart. You're giving me all these ideas. I might write a crane yep. version of a, hey. of a how, how successful people get issued. I might even steal the title, but just in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta just gotta change the name at the bottom. Just Yeah, just exit out. You yeah, won't yeah, be yeah. able to tell. <laughs> what does he say at the bottom? <laughs> Uh, well, Ish, we really appreciate yes. you getting on our uh, show. Um, Thank you. I, I, you cut in a little bit when you were talking about your social media. Where can people reach you again? Uh, Ish Verduzco. So it's at I-S-H-V-E-R-D-U-Z-C-O. Uh, pretty easy to find. And if you live in L.A. or actually any city, uh, when things get better, like back back to normal a little bit, I plan on doing like a, a tour, uh, like a launch tour. So I'll be I'll go to like L.A., New York, SF, Chicago, hopefully. Um, and like public parties basically. So like, it'll start off with like book signings and stuff like that, talks, but it'll go into like a function and like- We'll be there. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, we'll, got, you guys will be there for we'll sure. We'll be there for sure. For sure. 100, 100. <laughs> we'll bring in 100 people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's go, I like that. <laughs> you bring 100 books, we'll bring 100 people. Yeah. <laughs> it's game over, now you get we'll to go to the next it out <laughs> Just with our audience. <laughs> uh, so for those people that didn't uh, hear the uh, Instagram tag, you guys can also um, get that Instagram tag on our Instagram yes. at the underscore kickspot. And we'll put Ish's information, also where to uh, purchase the book as well, and some of his DJ or whatever yep. music uh, that we want to advertise for Ish. Um, but like I said, Ish, hey, we want you to be successful. We really do. There you go. Just follow those steps. You're doing a lot of it already. I can tell. Uh, I'm I'm an addict. <laughs> I'm an addict. The, the balance part, I, I I struggle with a lot. I zone a lot. I try lot to teach of, him on that stuff. I zone a I'm lot of people that out. Stuff than he is. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I need. It's that, hard, man. Yeah, I need that balance. So yeah. if you can write that book for me, I'll call it the balance. Yes, please. <laughs> balance your ish. Yeah, please. Yeah. Balance your ish. Please, uh, that's a good title. <laughs> All right, Ish. Well, we thank you so thank much. You, thank you for being on, yep. on our show, and we wish you the best of luck. Let us know about any of your um, tours that you're doing, and we'll be able to support you, man. 100%. Cool. Thanks, y'all. All good right. conversation. Sir. Have a good one, brother. Peace. Thank you for listening to KickSpot.